Well, good morning again. I want to talk this morning about this way of life, about how we might be people who apprentice our life after Jesus. And as apprentices to Jesus, that we are people who are learning to transmit hope into the world into which Christ has sent us. And when we say transmit hope, the definition I want us to wrestle with this morning is that transmitting hope means that we proclaim and demonstrate the goodness of life in God's kingdom. That that's the definition I want us to wrestle with this morning, that we are to proclaim and demonstrate the goodness of life in God's kingdom. People make the mistake, I think, oftentimes of overemphasizing one of those aspects of that statement. Some people would say that transmitting hope is simply proclaiming that forgiveness is needed and that there's grace uh, and that we can have Jesus in our life and that's what we do. We just proclaim as much as we can. And other people would say that that's not really transmitting hope. Well, transmitting hope would be just simply to walk alongside, care, and love people for wherever they are, however they are, and we just love them in the way of, in the name of Jesus. But I want to suggest this morning that this definition is a more captivating, more sound biblical understanding of the notion of our mission or our understanding of transmitting hope, that it needs both proclaiming and demonstrating That we proclaim with our words that there is life available because of Jesus. And we demonstrate with our lives the goodness of that life in God's kingdom. Friends, you and I, as we apprentice our life to Jesus, if you've decided to orient your your life around the teachings of Jesus and to receive him as your Messiah, your King, your Lord, your Savior, if that is you, then you are God's ambassadors or you are his hands and his feet. You are his representation to the world into which he's called you. You are his hands and feet. You are his representation. This is what we are. And remind, let me remind you, as I have throughout this series, that God has will or has these purposes that he wills to accomplish. He has the desire to, that he wants to see things happen in this world, and he will accomplish them, for sure. He will accomplish them. But he accompl- accomplishes them by developing men and women and young people with the kind of character who will carry out his mission in the world he has a desire and and a will to happen a purposes to happen in our world and he will complete them for sure but the way in which he does it is to develop men and women and young people of the kind of character that they can fulfill and carry out his mission in this world robert weber in his book ancient future evangelism which is a fantastic book but he wrote this God is not mere, a mere th- theoretical idea or an abstract creator, a ruler of the universe known, throughout, known through intellectual arguments. Rather, God, who was incarnated in Jesus for our sake, continues to have a presence in the world. And Jesus is found in the flesh and blood of those who gather in his name to proclaim his greatness and to live transformed lives together. See, the the truth is that God is not some theoretical kind of out there kind of stuff. God has a presence in our world today, and it looks like the church, unified, living transformed lives, putting flesh and bones to the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. We are his presentation or his representation to a world around us. We are what Paul says, his ambassadors, that we represent Christ. 
And the mission of God is to restore all things or to bring everything under the original creation intent, to bring it all back to wholeness and to healing and to restoration. That is God's mission in this world. And the mission and the restoration project that Jesus is on is to be proclaimed and to be demonstrated by his people to a lost world, to a lost and broken and dying world. As apprentices to Jesus, we are sent people. And you can't get around this. If you have decided to orient your life around the teachings and the grace of Jesus, then you are a sent person to the places in which you find yourself into your employment, into your family, into the neighborhood, into your friendships, into your relationships. You are a sent person. You are the representation of Christ. You are the way in which Christ's mission of reconciliation and restoring, restoring all things under his name will happen. It is by you and I, by his body, by his fellowship, by his bride of Christ, will represent the way of Christ into this world to transmit hope proclaiming and demonstrating the goodness of life in the kingdom of God. I could say it this way, that our formation to Christ-likeness or our transformation of our character is not for our own benefit. It's not simply for us to have brownie marks or to kind of get like, you know, brownie points to get into heaven and have like little extra jewels in our crown, if it, as it were. But it is in order to become the kind of person who will participate with God in his transformation of the world. Our formation to Christ-likeness, our transformation of our character, is not simply for us and us alone. It is for the benefit of the world because we are sent people. As apprentices to Jesus, we go where Jesus went and we proclaim what Jesus proclaimed. And that's kind of vision of, of this life, this life together, this fellowship, the church, the body of Christ would be an alternative community for the world around us, that people would see us living our lives distinctively different under the values of the kingdom, a life that is consistent with a value of peace and of generosity and of humility and of service and of purity and of love and of selflessness, that they would see a community of people that are orienting their lives around the values of the kingdom of God, that we would live distinctively different lives in our fellowship. And as we experience the goodness of life in God's kingdom, we invite others into that life as well, that we transmit the hope, we give them the hope that we have. So this morning, I want to walk us through the passage that Max just read for us, John chapter 20. So if you have a Bible with you or an app or something that can open it, I invite you to look at that, but we're going to kind of walk through this passage together, kind of line by line, as it were, and see what we might understand, how it is that we can live our life in a way to transmit hope to people, and what that might look like for us. And the first thing I want you to know about how we can live this life as apprentices to Jesus, as his representation in the world, giving hope to those around us, is that Christ gives peace. Christ gives peace. Look at verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. See, the disciples were in fear. They were trembling. They had locked the doors. The Jewish leaders were hunting them. They, just days ago, they had seen their Messiah, their King, their Lord, their teacher crucified and brutally murdered. And they had seen him and all their hopes had been dashed. And they were cowering for fear in this upper room. And they just locked the doors. They had, they had nothing going. All, everything had been given or taken away from them. 
And they were fearful. But when Christ appears in the midst of fear, in the midst of pain, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of guilt because they felt like they, if they would have just done something else or shame, when Christ appears, he declares peace. In the midst of fear and guilt and shame and unbearable situations, Christ declares peace. Peace be with you is a greeting that people would say oftentimes, for sure. But here Jesus is meaning, meaning it in a much more foundational way. He's meaning it in a much more robust, deep way because here he's saying the foundation for our ability to transmit hope is when we receive the peace of God in our life. The starting block for transmitting hope is for us to receive it for ourselves. See, if you have not encountered the love of God, if you have not encountered the love of God that reaches out of eternity and steps into humanity and sees you in your darkest hour and in the pain and in the grief and in the guilt and in the shame and all the past regrets and everything like that, if you have not yet received and understood and experienced and encountered the love of God that would step into your mess and into your difficult situation and to offer hope, and restoration, and forgiveness, and grace. If you have not yet experienced that kind of grace, and that kind of hope, and that kind of peace in your very darkest hour, if you have not yet encountered that, then it will be difficult for you to give that to someone else. The starting block to transmit hope is to be someone who receives hope. Is someone who receives the peace that only Christ can offer you. And if we have not yet encountered that, and not just know it, like intellectually know it, but I mean know it, like deep down in the sole of your feet, that you know the love of God that has reached into your depravity and into your sin and your brokenness and has actually encountered you and loved and gracefully given forgiveness. If you don't know that, then you can't give it to someone else. The starting block for these disciples was to receive the peace that only Jesus could give. So he steps into their fear into their locked doors, into the places where they're trembling, where they don't have anywhere else to go, in their darkest hour, in the time when they feel like they have no hope whatsoever. And Jesus shows up and he says the only thing he can say, peace be with you. Peace. People just like the disciples today carry around with them burdens of guilt and shame and fear, anxiety, things that are crippling around them. People that just intuitively know that they've fallen short of God's standard, that they just know that they've not done everything that they know to be right. And until they repent of their way, until they turn from their sinful ways and turn their life and yield their life to the Lordship and the Messiah, King Jesus, until they do that, will we grasp at anything and anyone to try and satisfy the longing that's in our hearts. We grasp at anything or anyone to grasp, to somehow bring at least momentary satisfaction to that longing and unrest that is in our soul that only peace with God can bring. Only peace through Christ can bring that. See, friends, while you and I were stuck and broken and hurting, Christ died to set you free from that sets you free from the entrapment and the penalty and the presence of sin in your life. And it's not until we yield more of our life 
to the lordship and the leadership of Christ, then we won't experience the peace that he has come to give us. And so wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whatever your life with God has been like over these last years or so, allow me to ask you a question this morning. Are you experiencing any amount of unrest in your soul? Anxiety, fear, crippling guilt, a longing for a peace and a hope that transcends all of the happenings around you right now, a longing for a peace and a hope that is, is more robust and life-giving than what you experience currently. Can I simply tell you that you will never find the answer to that longing in your soul. You will never find the answer to that nagging sense that you need peace and forgiveness and grace without submitting more and more of your life to the kingship of Jesus the Messiah. Until you open up those doors that are locked and fearful and keeping people at bay, until you allow Christ to come in to declare peace, until then, all the activity, all the posturing, all the effort, all the stuff that you do on the outside will just mask the real need for peace and hope in your life that only comes when we experience the peace of Christ as he steps into the dark broken areas of your life and when you turn those areas over to christ it only comes from him and so perhaps this morning is a morning where you decide and you put a line in the sand and say today's a day when i begin to turn more of my life over to christ perhaps today is a day where you draw a line in the sand and say today's a day where i'm going to step towards jesus more and i'm going to receive from him the peace that only he can provide on the mercy and the forgiveness that only he can provide. So you and I cannot be transmitters of hope until we have experienced that hope for ourselves. You can't give away something that you haven't received. And so maybe today is a day when you yield more of your life. There's an area of guilt or shame or fear that you haven't spoken about for years. And it just is haunting in the back of your mind. And you haven't yet yielded that. Confessed it. You haven't yet allowed it to be known by God. You haven't allowed it to kind of get out in the open. And maybe today is the day when you draw a line in the sand and say, no further, I'm going to confess and give it to God and release it to the forgiveness and the grace and experience the peace that will transcend all understanding and be more robust than any experience you have today. The first thing I want you to see in this passage is that Christ gives peace. Christ gives peace. Second thing I want you to notice in verse 20, that Christ gives evidence for this peace. Verse 20 says this, After he said this, he showed, him, showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The historical bodily resurrection of Jesus declares that all things will be restored. All things will be made well, will be taken care of. The Christian life is more than just helping out with our personal problems right here and now. It's more than just kind of making things better for this life kind of stuff. The resurrection, the historical bodily resurrection of the Messiah is evidence for eternity. Is evidence for a life of eternity, of life that's going to continue on. 
And it gives meaning and hope for the work that we do now because it will last for the rest of eternity. When we work for justice and for peace and for humility and reconciliation and purity and goodness and love, when we work for those things now, we have a hope that it will last for eternity because the bodily historical resurrection of Jesus gives us evidence that that eternity is real. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope, not simply for this world around here, that maybe we'll have it a little bit better, or maybe our, our personal problems will be taken care of a little bit, but gives us hope that in the end, all will be well. All will be well. And all manner of things will be well. That God will real indeed restore things to their intended creation. And while things may seem bleak in this time and in this age, our hope is based on the assurance of eternity and the assurance of it because of Christ. The third thing I want you to note is that Christ sends us. Christ sends us. In verse 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I said this a little bit earlier, but as apprentices to Jesus, this aspect of being sent is a non-negotiable. It's who we are. As apprentices, as he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you. And part of what that means, just really practically, part of what that means is we go to people that Jesus went to. We go to places that Jesus went to. We go to the kind of people, the kind of places that are hurting and that are broken and that are lost, that are apart from God, because that's where Jesus went to. We, we, we get out of this kind of idea of a holy huddle where we just kind of gather around us the same people that think like us, talk like us, and act like us, and, but we go to places that are lost and are hurting and are broken and are dark and are depressed, and we go to these places and we boldly proclaim that God's goodness and the life in God's kingdom is good and eternal and life-giving and available right now. When we, we neglect to, to see that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, when we think that the life with God is just about getting the holy huddle together and just kind of gathering around other believers and just kind of stay away from that big bad culture out there, that big bad society, as long as we can kind of barricade ourselves off and just kind of stay in our little deal, we forget that Jesus, outside of time, stepped into time, into humanity, clothed himself with humanity. Why? Because we were, we were lost and we were dying and we needed a Savior. So God says, or Jesus says, as God the Father has sent me into this world to you, the lost and the broken, the hurting and the dying and the and depraved and the depressed, as, as God has sent me, I am sending you. So we go to places where people are broken, where people are hurting. And just as a, as a litmus test of this, if you think about your close, not just your close close, but if you think of your friends that are gathered around you, if you don't have a single non-believing friend in your life, then you are not following Jesus. If you don't have a single non-believing friend in your life with whom you can share life with, with whom you can pray for, and you can cry over the things that they are crying over, we can celebrate over the things that they can celebrate. If you don't have a single non-believing friend in your circle of friends, then you are not following Jesus because Jesus has sent you to that person to proclaim and demonstrate the goodness of life in God's kingdom with them. This is what it means to be apprentices to Jesus. We follow him. We don't just hear about them and just kind of close the world off into our own little huddle and just kind of be okay with the status quo and just kind of stay here. But we are sent people. 
Your formation is not because of your own piety or devotion or kind of get brownie points or crowns in your, or, or jewels in your crown. Your formation of Christ-likeness is for the benefit of the world to which God has sent you, to which God is calling you, to the family, to the neighbors, to the co-workers, to the people that are hurting, desperately hurting. You know that there are thousands upon thousands of people that live in Allen County that do not know the love of Jesus. Friends, that's because he has sent you to proclaim and demonstrate in your place of work, at your school, in your neighborhood, with your friends, the people that he has sent you. He has got purposes in this world and he will accomplish them, but he does it by developing men and women and young people with the kind of character in their heart that they will pursue and they will uh, take care of his mission. This is what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. We begin to see this world through the lens and through the eyes of Jesus. That there's not a single person that you can lock eyes with that, God, that the love of God does not reach out towards. There's not a single person, no matter how far you think they are away from God, there's no, not a single person that the heart of God doesn't break for. And he is sending you to be moved with compassion, to not just think of people in categories and to write them off or to lob verbal grenades at people on Facebook but to love them, to demonstrate the reality of the goodness of the kingdom, of the life in God's kingdom, to transmit hope. This is what God has called us to. And when we do that, when we learn to transmit hope, we, we experience the abundance of life in God's kingdom like we've never experienced it before. Friends, you are his representation. We, his fellowship, his church, operate in a different kingdom value than the world around us. And there are people, thousands of people, that are crushed by the burden of their guilt and shame and and fear and anxiety and worry. Thousands of people that you drive right past every day that live within minutes of you. When you receive the hope of Christ, when your relationship with Christ has been restored, through the grace and the forgiveness and you are anticipating the culmination of the kingdom and you anticipate and you're living for eternity, then friends, you will go to a lost and broken world and you will sit with lost and broken people and you will hear their stories and you will cry with them over the things that break their heart and you will proclaim and you will demonstrate the goodness of life in the eternal kingdom of God. Well, it leads me to the fourth thing I want us to notice in this passage, and that is that Jesus gives us the power to do that. Verse 22, with that he breathed, he, Jesus, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, you and I can't do this on our own. We can't be sent people and proclaim and do all this stuff out in our own power and in our own ability. We need the indwelling, the supernatural indwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our life. This is what Jesus does. He knows that the disciples cannot do it, so he sends and he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what empowers us. And whenever we are given a task by God, which I believe we are, especially in these days, we are given a task to proclaim and demonstrate the goodness of life in God's kingdom, to go to the lost and broken world. Whenever we are given that task, then we are given the power through his Spirit to accomplish it. You're not given a task without being given the power to accomplish it. You simply aren't. Jesus told us to remain in him, 
That without him, that we would not be able to do anything that is eternally, of, of eternal substance or eternal importance. The Apostle Paul instructs us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to be sure to do everything in our power or uh, to make the most of it out of every opportunity. And the Spirit of God for sure indwells every one of us who are aligned themselves with the teachings of Jesus that, that ask for forgiveness and, and submit ourselves to, to God. That The Spirit indwells us, but there's a necessary aspect of praying for and asking to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be His witnesses in the world, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to carry out His mission. And for this we ought to pray. For this, we ought to be on our knees daily to pray for the power from the Holy Spirit to manifest His presence in our lives in only ways that He can do. This is why, by the way, reciting the Jesus Creed as we've been asking to do every night and as we'll do as we close the service is an important thing. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Because when we pray this, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to empower that vision that we would actually live that out. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to go. Fifth and final thing in this passage, hope is the message that we give. Hope in life and God's kingdom is what we give. Verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. As ambassadors of Christ, we proclaim to a broken, hurting, lost world that forgiveness is available through Christ and through Christ alone. That we proclaim it. We have a message of grace and of love and of forgiveness that the people around you desperately need to hear. The people around us desperately need to hear the, the love of, or the, the message of God's great love. That life with him is good and is lasting and is eternal and it is available through the forgiveness of Jesus. That he offers that to us. And we are to be bold in that proclaiming. We ought to tell people about life with God. But our message, our proclamation about life with God, about forgiveness, is only given credibility when we demonstrate that forgiveness ourselves. When we demonstrate that. Let me, get that, let me break that down and be a little messy for a second. If you tell somebody that they can have forgiveness by God, but you are unwilling to forgive them yourself, then your message is not credible. You hear that? If you proclaim a message of forgiveness, but you are unwilling to forgive, then your message is not credible. The message of Jesus is confirmed and is, credible and is more credible when his people proclaim and demonstrate the goodness of the reality of God's kingdom. One of the things I get just pumped up about with Jesus is he's seen, and I just get astonished with him, is who is drawn to him. People from all walks of life are drawn to him. And not because he's affirming everybody and just telling everybody, you're good, you're fine, you're, whatever you want to do is just fine. He's not because of that. I mean, he calls them on sin. He tells them to leave their life of sin. He tells them to change their life. He, he calls them to repentance. But he does it in a way that's gentle. And respects the dignity of every person that he came in contact with. They weren't just a number to him. They weren't just a statistic. But he respected the dignity of each individual person. I'm reminded of the words in Peter, in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, when he says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. What a breath of fresh air in today's toxic society where people are pinning people on either side and yelling at each other. What a breath of fresh air if followers of Jesus would learn to respect the dignity of every person that they see and to treat them with gentleness and respect. This is what we pray for. This is what we pray for. And friends, you cannot transmit hope if you've not experienced that yourself. If, you've, if you're someone who has lived your life apart from God or, or kind of in a, at a distance or not confessed areas of your life, sinful areas or broken areas that you've kind of left hidden away from God, you've ran away from God and ran away from His ways, perhaps today is the day when you stop running and you stop hiding and you stop living in fear, but you turn to Jesus and you confess your need for grace and you take a step towards following Jesus. Perhaps today is the day when you do that. And if that's true of you, I'd love to talk with you about what it looks like to journey towards Jesus. So come talk to me. Fill it out on your communication card. I can follow up with you, but I'd love to follow up with you about what it looks like to journey towards Jesus. But others of us, we've confessed our need for a Savior. Maybe it's years ago, maybe it's just months ago, but we've remained kind of okay with the status quo. We haven't really learn to transmit hope to the people around us. We're just kind of okay with the way things really are. Well, like all things, we learn to, as we learn to do things, we learn to do new things, we, have, we engage in practices or disciplines that kind of put us in a place where we can learn to transmit hope. And at Crossroads, we're gonna, we talk about three general principles or three general practices that we can do to kind of help us and incorporate them into our fellowship to help us learn to transmit hope. And we can do this in our world around us. So as I go over these three practices, these three general practices, I ask you real simply, as I talk about them, just ask the simple question, how does that describe me? Does that practice describe me? And the first practice is that we desire to be a serving community. A serving community, a place that regularly sees the needs of other people and seeks to meet them. Seeks to meet them. We, we regularly place the needs of others ahead of our own, and we care and we serve them. We're a serving community. The second practice is that we are a, a, a desiring to be a cross-cultural community, that we realize that we best reflect the kingdom of God when we listen and when we learn from people outside of our cultural upbringing, that we see that God is the God of the universe, not just the God of people like me, that we are a cross-cultural community and third practice is we desire to be a community that has spiritual conversations with the curious spiritual conversations with those that are are wrestling with eternal truths and that are curious about who jesus is and we witness to the hope and the peace that is ours through christ so does that describe you are you someone who's a serving person are you someone who has experiences of cross-cultural learning and exploring the things of faith from a cross-cultural perspective? Are you someone who has spiritual conversations with the curious around you? Are you starting conversations with those that are outside of the family of God to pique curiosity with them about the eternal things of Jesus? 
I pray that as we live our lives that are so modeled by the kingdom values of peace and of goodness and of purity and of righteousness and holiness, that as we live our lives by those kind of values, that we would be a fellowship, we would be a, a community that demonstrates the goodness of life in God's kingdom and we invite people into that life through our service, through our cross-cultural experiences, and through our spiritual conversations with the curious. I pray that you would be that person and that you would experience the transformation of your life as you are learning to transmit hope to a lost and broken world. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are humbled that you have called us, that you have spoken to our life, that you saw us in our darkest, broken, forgetful, sinful ways. You stepped into eternity, you stepped into time and place and clothed yourself with humanity to demonstrate the goodness of your kingdom and to invite us to a life with you. We're so grateful for that, and I pray that you would see our, and help us to see ourselves as sent people, empowered by your Spirit to transmit hope to a lost and broken, dying world. It's in your name we pray. Amen.